1: This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Devil's Advocates Rebuilding Hell Podcast, brought to you by the generous folks over at the Hockey Podcast Network. We have another exciting, informative, and well-fuck-it rant-filled podcast coming your way. Stay tuned, I hope you enjoy (laughs) All right, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Devil's Advocates podcast. I'm your host Corey Fleetwood, alongside co-host Shane Ryan and Neil Villapiana. How we doing tonight, boys?
2: Fantastic. I'm uh, I'm doing better than our country, than the United States is doing right now. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah I think
1: everybody is I'm... doing better than the state of the country right now. Yeah.
0: Yo, but some uh, important news before we get started. It is mine and Bayou's last episode as part as co-hosts of the Devils podcast um, moving forward we're not going to be releasing one We're not releasing episodes as a network every week uh, <laughs> just for the summer there's not a lot of content obviously the playoff teams or these 24 team yeah, format, and we're not one probably of them <laughs> content. but outside of that uh, we're Neil is taking over full time yep. as our full time host uh, myself and Bayou will be taking our step away. It's been an honor. It's been a pleasure uh, to to be doing this for the half season that we were able to do it. But, yeah, we're we're passing the torch off to Neil. Hopefully
2: he's around for more than a couple of months. Uh, I'll, I'll be around. I'll we, don't be around. Contract, we don't get that no,
1: interim contract, resigned. You don't
2: get that take. Uh, I think Isha will take the interim tag off me on uh, Monday. Yeah, so Neil's uh, officially the –
0: Full-time host, obviously. Bayou and I will be still part of the network. I'll be covering, obviously, the Senators with Centurion overtaking, and Bayou, uh, I believe, if it's still the same, you're heading over to Habs Nightly to work with uh, with Mason, who is currently the host of Habs Nightly for the Montreal Canadiens.
1: Yes, that is correct. Um, you know, and and just the fashion of signing, I'm the a definite journeyman of this network at this point. I'm just getting bumped around podcasts and. uh <laughs> Hopefully I found the home. You know, it's the team I've wanted to be with. And uh, let's see if I, can, if I can last the full season there.
2: Well, Bayou, I think one thing for sure is that you'll probably uh, miss the constant chirping between me and Shane. That's for sure.
0: Oh, I'm definitely going to
2: be back on this podcast. Uh, yeah, that's, oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Like, don't worry. I, I don't, don't worry, think that
1: there's no. a chance that no. we won't be Boys, uh, interrupting podcasts. Boys, just, you
2: guys will be here. You guys will be on um, the podcast, no doubt. No, I'm definitely going to try making an appearance once a month. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna be. Um, we, I actually already have the name of the podcast. Um, once I take over, it's called Devil's State of Mind. That's going to be the nice name. And uh, Dylan, Dylan, uh, actually, through one of the, um, uh, I guess designers, was able to actually hook me up with the logo already for the podcast. So, so right. I'm still
0: waiting on mine. I'm still waiting on my new logo. I might just make it myself.
2: You might as well, yeah. considering what you did with the the, the Pittsburgh pod, which yeah, I which yeah, yeah, well, yeah, people, if you haven't seen yet, like the graphics that that Shane made, please go do so because yeah. they are awesome. They're they're amateur,
0: but yes, I appreciate they're the love. Amateur. they they are. I mean, I've only been doing it for like a month. I always have a, a long way to go in making something for this ends. Uh, as a lot of people may have heard, John, like if you follow the American Hockey League, uh, we have a new team in there as well, but. We also have Josh Norris, one of Ottawa's top prospects, was named mm-hmm. AHL Rookie of the Year. So I'm doing something for that, which mm-hmm. hopefully will be dropping over the next couple of days. But yeah, we also have the Henderson Silver Knights uh, in the AHL. Playing There's out of that. Henderson, Nevada, obviously will be the uh, affiliate to the Golden Knights. Uh, their logo is a horse, kind of as a mock, like a. A symbol they call, for they their, it a stallion, it's not a stallion, it's a warhorse because war it. it's, it's like a, it's an armored warhorse because their thought process is that you know they're one without each other, they're useless and whatnot, they're, mm-hmm. they're not as powerful without each other. That makes sense, and I think, it, I I think it. it's great, I think it's fantastic. The idea behind it, I'm excited to see the jerseys because jerseys, <laughs> yeah, why uh,
1: not? Right? It'll
2: probably be honestly, I could see it being like black, right? silver, and white. It's yeah. It's gonna be black, silver, and white. Uh, Very,
0: very probably L.A. Kings style. Yeah. Like the colorway. The rain. Probably more of a metallic silver, though. I would expect. I like that.
2: So where are the Chicago Wolves now? Who are they affiliated to?
0: Um, I believe they're going to Florida. 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 So the Springfield Thunderbirds, I believe, is the name. Mm -hmm. Only A.H.L. team without. A, uh, was that an affiliate? I believe.
2: So would it be so for them? Would it be kind of like what the NBA's G League is, where like any team can just pick up somebody from them? Not any team, no. Oh, but because every player has a is, is on contract with some other team, correct? Well, so basically the way the AHL works is
0: that team, like like the Binghamton Devils, everyone on that team is affiliate if they're under an NHL AHL contract. They yeah. can only play for. The Devils. Okay, they can right. be loaned out to other teams, like we saw with Bennington. Right, he would he could have been sent down to the East Coast League, or yeah. he could have been loaned to another team. He was ended up loaned to the Providence Bruins, which which are the uh, Boston Bruins affiliate. But mm-hmm. that's basically like so Henderson. Yep. Now the affiliate for Vegas. I think Springfield actually is St. Louis. I think Chicago might be the only one. Okay. Uh, so that's not true. It's now Charlotte. That's the only affiliation without a new, without a team. So,
2: so the Charlotte checkers are no longer going to be affiliated by Carolina, Carolina Carolina's going to Chicago. Jesus.
0: So Springfield. So my understanding from, I'll, I'll have to look it up, but yeah. from what I can remember off the top of my head, uh, Chicago was by Vegas. Mm-hmm. San Antonio was with St. Louis. Okay. Um, Vegas bought San Antonio and moved them to Henderson. So Chicago, when St. Louis didn't have the affiliation anymore, even though they were previous affiliated. Uh, St. Louis took the Springfield Falcons out of, from Florida. There's talk that the Orlando Solar Bears could potentially move up, just like the Colorado Eagle did nice. okay, in the East Coast League. Uh, and then Carolina moved to – took over affiliations with Chicago. Okay. So the Chicago Wolves are with Carolina. St. Louis is with Springfield, and Henderson's with the Golden Knights. There's no more San Antonio. So Charlotte and Florida are the only two teams that do not have an affiliation heading into next season.
2: Okay. There we go. Did you guys hear about the new NWHL team, the uh, Toronto the Six? Six? Yeah, yeah. Dude, I hate it. You hate. Why does everybody hate it? Because it's generic. It's, it's. I think the problem is the logo
0: sucks. But yes, yeah, the
1: logo needs some work. Um, I'm. I'm happy that there's there's movement. But I feel like I get where he's coming from. Um. I just think that they really could have hit something something big like if this is the big announcement for the first uh you know women's team for Canada mm-hmm. and your big announcement is just uh a copy and paste you know like there's there's no real yeah I I, I don't know man like the logo I mean, is just missing something I and mean, just they, a six with a line is just a little too bland for me
2: They should have added the needle
0: like in there like it makes sense because like six right there's six people on the ice yeah but like and then the Toronto's the six which has never made any sense well mm-hmm. hey um, I don't know I feel like it I feel like it was lazy I feel like it was a cop out it was an easy thing like
1: yeah they're just trying I, to keep up with the times but
0: right you know you don't, there's no I don't know I think they they could have done so much more and also don't like the color I I really don't like this color scheme that they chose. It's like, what, red, black, and gold? Black yeah. and gold, yeah. To me, maybe maybe it's just like it's just my thing, but when there's multiple teams in a city, mm-hmm. I like the idea of continuity between all of them, where the colors yeah. are the same. Like If you go to Pittsburgh, they're all black, yellow, and white. Mm. But then you go to Philly, and there's four <laughs> different teams, four different sets of colors, and it's like there's no unity with the city. Yeah. And you come to Ottawa, every single team outside of one, which is the the Atletico Ottawa soccer team are black, red, and white. Every single one of them. There's some there's something about unity when it comes to the city's colors that to me matters. Yeah. Like Calgary again, Calgary's one is a little bit different because of the expansion they expanded from Atlanta and they basically kept everything from Atlanta because yeah. everything from like the, the yeah. style everything from Atlanta worked it was changed from A to C but because everything from Atlanta worked like the colors right. mm-hmm. looked nice so there was no reason to change of course, of course. And i think you know if you're like like Seattle I'm not excited for it
2: yeah i, I mean the colors i feel like with Seattle are, are not going to i mean i understand because of the other teams that are there but I still think – I'm worried – first of all, I'm worried about the name. I have no idea what's going to – and I'm worried that they're going to screw it up. I'm worried it's going like to be something – Yeah, and I'm not – nobody is for that. People are going think – Personally, I am if
0: they do it right. My issue is is that the, you have two other Seattle teams. Their, their colors are blue, green, and white. Yeah. I know a lot of people are like, why would you do the same colors that basically – your cross-border rival will, like, will wear. Mm-hmm. I've always said that I hated Vancouver's colors. I think they should go back to the skate or
2: go back to their early 2000s. Um, early 2000s? You're talking about the navy blue and white, right? Yeah, the navy. Yeah.
0: Like,
2: the Marcus the, Naslin era, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Personally,
0: I love them. I don't like the, the – the. it just doesn't seem right to me. I've always just – Is it the green that's bothering you? Just the entire look. It, just, it doesn't – there's always been something that I just, I never liked with it. And I don't know why I just never did. It's not something like I look yeah. at the Jersey and I'm like, mm, I want it because it's a Vancouver Jersey. And like, I need a Vancouver Jersey, but <laughs> I don't like the colors. I just, I, I don't, it's like the, it's like anything in Arizona that isn't the Kachina. Like,
2: the Kachina just. You heard, you heard Arizona announced yesterday that they're going to wear Kachina. in yeah, the playoffs. Right? Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. So. I'm super excited. They need to I am- wear the white version of it.
2: Yeah, they need – I think they need to scrap what they've had now, go back just to the Kachina, add a white one, and then go from there. Yeah,
0: I think that's ideal. It's just I like would, I think New Jersey should head down back to the, the white and red.
2: Yes, yes. We were, or, I think we're, well, we were talking about that last week, right? we, oh, you know, we were not yeah. like
0: almost every week. It's one of the continuing topics. <laughs> I, think, I think for that Seattle – That um, is
2: Schneider for Horvath. Hey, I right. see
0: that your Zoom background is Schneider. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> you should have told me. I would have made mine Horvat.
2: I actually, um, I actually interviewed, um, on my on my sports podcast, uh, a goaltending coach that I actually learned from, who um, is the goalie coach. Well, he kind of trained. Uh, you guys know Kaden Primo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <on>. he, uh, <laughs> that was his goal. I interviewed but his goalie. Like coach the future
1: yesterday. of the Canadians. <laughs>
2: yeah, I inter- I interviewed his goalie coach, Chris Canale. Um, I'm good friends with him, and we actually went into all discussion about Corey. And what was interesting is that he said that. Corey may need a change of scenery, which, I mean, I don't know how possible that is to maybe yeah, the
1: get the fucking It
2: oh. looks like at times he's not having fun.
0: <laughs> also might be interested just because we don't know what the hell is going on with Nielsen.
2: That's true.
0: Like, there's no guarantee he even plays next year. He, right. He's still I don't even think he's skating. I don't think he even cleared to skate. He's had – Who's this playing? again? Brian?
2: Who is this again?
0: Andres uh, Nielsen. Anders Nielsen, he Anders Nielsen right. And, like, yeah, what hasn't been back. What
2: happened to him?
0: And I just, obviously, you know, I'd much rather him just sit the year. If that's what it comes down to. I don't want him to risk any, like, long-term health implications when it comes to a head injury. So, mm-hmm. like, if he doesn't come back, he doesn't come back. But looking at Ottawa's goaltender situation, i much rather Corey Schneider and Ottawa over re-signing Craig Anderson.
2: Do you think that these Senators, and I don't know how possible this is, but do you think there's a chance that they might be interested in Askarov? No. No?
0: They have Gus they, like, we have Decord, which will probably re-sign. Yeah. We have Gustafson, we have Mandelosi, and we have Hogberg, who's probably gonna be the starter of the future if he continues. I really on, think Hogberg shows a lot of promise. He, he's five, eight, and eight and he, since his, since his arrival at the end of, I believe it was December, either December or November, mm-hmm. he has the most overtime losses out of any goaltender with eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he has shown promise and he's gotten better every year. Statistically, like, goals against and save percentage, not quite, but I blame that on horrible, The fact like, he's just been dealt a bad hand. Mm-hmm. But he's done enough to, to be given a fair shot at... Uh, at getting the starting, and I think Schneider. If you're going to look at, you know, do you feel comfortable with who we have in the system with running a one uh, a one A and a one B, and you want to be competitive, or you bring in a guy like Schneider and you need to bring to the cad who only has a couple of years left? I would I would be okay with it. Yep. Uh, you guys can take Anissimov off
2: our hands. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I mean, I like off I do. I just don't think yeah, we have. I- I just don't. I, I, because of the fact that Gil Sen is waiting in the wings and could be, could easily be implemented as the backup for Mackenzie Blackwood. And, and, you know, they're both very young, so having a young goaltending tandem would be nice. Um, I think because of the fact that if, they, if the Devils can't make a move with Corey, if nobody really shows any interest, they will stick with him because they just don't want to, t- they don't want to, they don't want to just buy him out. because They and don't want to.
0: The, if, if you have the option of having him play in the minors for Gilchison and basically be your starter and start almost – most AHL teams play two – probably two out of three days. They'll, yeah. play, they'll play three out of four. Right. If you're playing two of those three games in a weekend, that's better than him playing one game in every, like, three, four, five days. Like, being yeah. in New Jersey.
2: Right. So and if would give him the play opportunity play, game, to – if he gains any sort of attraction from other teams, it gives him the opportunity to showcase that he can, he can do it. Plus it also would help the younger players in the minors like learn. And especially if he's helping them win games, like he was doing that when the devils went on something, I think Binghamton went on something like a, yeah, a 12 game winning streak. I mean, they were the hottest team in the second half of the AHL season. And part of it was Corey started playing really well. He started consistently showing, showing uh, production. I would be okay with an Ottawa trade
0: consisting of surrounding Corey Schneider and Moff depending on our situation and goal.
2: I feel like the Devils would then also ask for a mid-round, mid-to-late round pick in that move.
0: I don't think so. I think you're... You, you can't. I think if you're... It's going to be a swap of picks, mm-hmm. but considering the fact that Schneider has term and then you see Massafrasian at the end of next season, yeah, technically you're getting the better deal in terms of player.
2: Yeah. I mean, it would be kind of so, like, and uh, this is a weird example, but it would kind of be like a thing with like Wayne Simmons where if it doesn't work out, it's fine. They can just – like it's not like they have him after a year. Yeah. They could just let right. him walk
0: if he's so you give You also give – you give it – you have that depth that you don't have to put Hughes – in a situation that he may not be able to excel at. Right. You would be able to put an off in. He'll be that leader in the locker room. hmm And then you can just kind of let him leave at the end of the year. Right. Because I believe Schneider has like three years or two years left.
2: I think Schneider has two years left on his uh, – his. So, and I mean, both teams need cap space. So I mean, it's not like it's a move that New Jersey needs. They need. can make a deal now because they said – the NHL said that the teams who are not in the 2014 can start making – trades within with think
0: Ottawa, I think auto I gonna trade based off of where they fall in the draft.
2: Yeah I think you won't see any I, I agree with you. I think most moves will probably not be made until after the lottery. Once uh, once we know where everybody is and where everybody's thinking is going to be, I think we'll see that. But um yeah I don't it's know. Two
0: years left and I guess only has one. And I oh, don't know. I feel like that's a trade that I'd be okay with. I think most Suns fans would be okay with.
2: Oh, by you, by the way, um, Tyler Sagan has not responded to any of our requests to come on yet. But- <laughs> Thank
1: God. I mean, what a shit show he'd come straight into. Like, <laughs>
2: right.
1: Imagine this man coming on here and just expecting the worst. And then the first question he gets is the fucking Quebec, Quebec conversation. And oh, then we yeah. start delving into his fucking play. Yeah, I'm sure he'd it appreciate it.
0: His name. It would have to be his name first. Right. It would That's be his singing.
2: name first. Right. He's
0: not from like he's from Ontario, right? He's not from Quebec. Yeah. No. I. I wouldn't
1: give a fuck where he was from. He could be from fucking would, Albuquerque. You know. It's just be like, would, hey, guess yeah, what? We need. We know. need another vote on this. Like. <laughs> uh, we need. We
2: gotta, need, we gotta, need I, the I, definitive I, tie-breaking uh, vote. Uh, right. But um.
1: Uh, have you guys read about uh, Tam Calvert trying to save uh, University of Alabama Huntsville's hockey program?
2: I did hear about that. Yes,
1: uh, they ended up raising like uh, like over five hundred thousand dollars for it. That's
2: ridiculous. That is nuts. And a
0: uh, Division three school.
1: Yeah, and and it That's it's ridiculous. crazy. Like I didn't know. But Cam Talbot actually, you know, played for uh, UAH, and so you know, I guess that's just a way for him to to give back to his I, community. I
0: it's his alum. It's his alumni, isn't it? Yeah. But like, still, that's a like Div three, Div two. Hockey. He
2: donated. He donated like what twenty two hundred fifty thousand or something like that. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not
1: sure. I know. I know that. Uh, I know that even uh, Dylan Strome c- contributed. He said he had some friends playing there. Uh. Mm. you know I just I think it's crazy you know like you know you you get a chance to give back to the place that that hooked you up is just insane you know uh but you know I've never really heard of that of that school uh but the fact you know like it's it's just an eye catcher for someone in the south you see something about Alabama and then you know an NHL player trying to save save a a team you know I'm definitely going to check in on it but uh, I, I still think that's cool. You know, I think Cam Talbot has been a talked-about goalie. You know, I think that he's, he you saw a lot of potential as yeah. as the backup in, in New York. And then I think kind of Edmonton kind of overplayed him, didn't have the right people around him. So he just well,
2: – Well, it's Edmonton. What did you – I mean, I don't yeah, think – Yeah, no, the, I know. I just think that
1: – I think that they, they think kept him in way too long. You know, they didn't give him any type of rest. I think they kind of squandered the – you know, his overall stats. Um, but yeah, I mean, shit. Yeah, I think he's doing pretty decent up in Calgary. Um, but I just think that's awesome, you know, um, uh, one to give back to your community, but then also just like a southern state that's trying to get hockey, you know, Good. keep the momentum going. I think that's just kudos to Cam Talbot. Um, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of what team it was, but uh, there was like a it was a college that just had the hockey – the hockey program was just a club league, and now it's like a, a you know, Division A fucking a team now or something.
2: I was like – um, I think you're thinking of Penn State. A couple of years ago, they were still a um, – Penn State was still a uh, club hockey team in like, like four or five years ago, and then they got a huge donation from an alumni, and they actually were able to then become a Division One program.
1: Yeah, and now it's like fucking <laughs> a covenant school to go too far. It's pretty tight. Ridiculous. But
2: look at the <laughs> dude,
0: play, dude, or dude, just
2: remember money talks BS walks, bro.
0: hundred percent. It's Jeez. ridiculous. Money talks. But looking at the DR like the goaltenders heading into the, the summer or this fall, whatever whatever happens, um, you know, there's a good amount of goaltenders that could possibly be on the move. You know, Grice, Talbot, Kudobin. Uh, you know Elliot
2: and Dell. What about Braden Holby? Holby staying in.
1: Yeah, he's gonna stay.
2: because yes. I I've been hearing about from, and I was talking to um, I was talking to several for Caps people, and, and they say there's a good chance that they have enough confidence now in Samsonov. Um, Samsonov that they might just move on from Holby because and because Holby's gonna be looking for a lot more money.
0: Where is he gonna get it? No one's gonna give him the yeah,
2: money. Well, unfortunately they've been so, well not unfortunately, but I did hear that apparently the sharks were gonna to try to make some moves to try to get him. Literally it'd be the stupidest thing. I understand where the sharks are coming from.
1: Yeah, because they need yeah. they need some fucking help
0: back there. They I think need help. everywhere. They do not need help just in net.
2: Yeah, you they need, need help on defense and they also need help scoring.
0: You yeah. can probably get a guy like Talbot or Grice who who
2: He's a good stopgap goaltender. Thomas Price used to play for San Jose before he went to the Islanders. So traded to the, and island. it's not like he the
0: Islanders. Not him and Nabokov. That's ridiculous. <laughs> they both played for the Islanders. Um, I think. Uh, <laughs>
2: but,
1: I think you know. You see him staying though, mainly because it's just like uh, you take he a back seat it? for one year, get another chance to you know.
0: Nice. It's not even it's seen, like Seattle.
1: That's, That's true. Like, yeah, we talked about that. What do you think? You keep them around and then and ship them off to Seattle.
0: Tampering, okay? There is no such thing as tampering in the NHL. And they may say they they may say there is, but there really is.
2: I have not once ever heard someone say tampering in the NHL. That's like, what I'm
0: saying. It, it so doesn't happen. If if you, Ron Francis is the GM, right? Previous yeah. GM. Yeah, yes. If I'm yeah. if I'm Washington, it's like hey, and you t- you sit you sit down with Hopi, and you're like, I'm gonna give you this deal. I'm gonna give you a three. Or I'm gonna give you like a, a four year deal. Or actually, I'll give you a two year deal.
2: I was gonna say two or three.
0: Two year deal, minimum money. You'll be selected by Seattle, and they'll give you a big money contract. Right.
1: Right. I mean you can after you that, can easily sell the uh because the
0: flurry. that's where you're gonna make your money. Once Seattle comes into the league, that's where players are gonna make their money. Not now. Especially not now.
2: Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah.
0: So, and I mean, I understand that he's sturdy and he's going to want to make the big bucks. Yeah. He wants to make the big bucks right now, you he better head over to Europe because the odds who's going to be paying.
2: And that's, that was the argument that you and I were, that we were all discussing with um, how Taylor Hall is the only guy that basically is like, I'm not going to take another short term, low money deal. Like he's going to fight, legitimately fight to try to get big money. And he's just not going to get it this now, year. What production has he done this year? I mean it could change if 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 Arizona makes a run at it in the 2014 playoff I don't think so I mean I think people have I'm hoping that
0: GMs have learned maybe'm maybe I have my hopes up too high but I would think that after the amount of busts people have done
2: yeah
0: like, I don't know he's had, his career high is 93 points his second highest is 80 points. He's only hit 60 one other time. People say, that, people say that Bobby Ryan is overpaid. Taylor Hall, if he's at $8, $9 million, he's just as overpaid. Right.
2: Well, I mean, he, I think Hall, particularly because of his production, is more in the 4 5 and at max $6 million range. You would think, but I highly doubt that he's going to get that low. He's easily but, gonna push no, for seven. No, eight, he nine. made it clear that he's not looking for anything and his agent also made it clear. They're looking at nine million. Yeah, and you're not looking that. at nine million. He wants to be paid like the a franchise a franchise piece. And there really isn't a team out there that's looking for that. It's also who has the money right now for it. Right. Like I mean, if he I mean, gets the money, he's gonna go to a team that's not gonna be that good. Agents are literally yep. the worst thing to happen in sports. He's honestly like Taylor Hall's situation is very similar to Jadavian Clowney in the NFL. Jadavian Clowney was like, I want big money, and I also want to play for a contender. Well, guess the what? One. That doesn't happen. Very it, rarely just does it barely ever happens.
0: It very rarely does happen. Here, prime example. You want to talk about a team overpaying for a player? Buffalo. And they had no choice. Realistically, they had no choice but to give Skinner $9 million. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is which is a gross overpayment for someone like this. As much as I like Skinner, as much as I would love him in Ottawa, $9 million is probably two to $3 million more than I would pay. Yeah. But when you're in Buffalo's situation where, you know, they've lost Kane, they've lost Riley over the span of four years because they didn't want to be there, you can't, you can't lose this guy. Right. I think it's been like, over the past, like, two years that they've lost those two games. Yeah, can't they traded them within the first, but, like, since Eichel's been there, they've lost two of their best players. You know, you can't just let this third player leave on Eichel. Yeah. So you've got to overpay him, but you still haven't fixed any of the issues. Correct. People are like, oh, like, um, because one of their GMs, Tim Murray, was part of the Ottawa system. And people are like, oh, we dodged a bullet. And it's like, these problems were there long before Murray ever arrived right. in Buffalo. These yeah. are
2: issues yeah. that I think go down to ownership. Well, the Pagoulas okay. have been criticized for many years with the way that they handle Because remember, not only do they own the Sabres, they own the Buffalo Bills as well. Yeah, yeah but this was new. This is new ownership. Because
0: the the Spanos or whatever didn't own them up until like two thousand like uh, 2016, I think. Wait, so the Pagoulas sure. no longer own no. the Sabres? I'm pretty sure the Spanos... And then that's
1: what they're... It's a, it's a. I believe it's a new one because you had that kid go on a rant yeah. uh, during the season. That was like at least the old owners, uh, you know, wouldn't wouldn't cop out. They would talk to us, tell us that you know, like we're not going anywhere this season. Like they wouldn't give us, they wouldn't let our fucking hopes up, you know. Uh, and the new guys have just kept the fans and shit in the dark whether whether or not they're going to have a rebuild oh, or
2: Pagula. No, it's still it's still the Pagulas. Really? They yeah, Terry Pagula's owned the team since twenty eleven. So yeah, him he and his, really he his, his, own. his wife, um, Kim, on the on on both. And they, the and they haven't made the playoffs since. Literally haven't made the playoffs sure. since he's
0: it.
1: Yeah, it's been like nine oh, yeah. years.
0: For anyone listening? The Spanos is the the LA Chargers. Completely different dude. Same stupidity
2: when it comes to ownership. Well, we have to remember, <laughs> and I've said this, I've said this before in other podcasts and things like that. The interest of the owners is not the same as the interests of the fans. That's plain and simple. Yeah, like,
0: but playoffs are interests of the owners. That is literally the well, one, up. I mean, playoffs mean more money, which means more revenue because you get more home games mm-hmm. and you get better. Your fans are happy. I, playoffs I don't think is that, the, the only thing that fans and ownership have the same interest in is playoffs. Right. And if you don't, right, you shouldn't be in the, you sh- and the problem
2: is, is that he's done relatively well with Buffalo. He just doesn't know how to do hockey. Right, so he's gotten the bills. He's gotten the bills back to, you know, being a competitive football team. Yeah, but, like, so but
1: yeah. In, in that he is, he has, hasn't paid attention to his NHL franchise, and right. their he, fucking fans are just distraught.
2: He, he cares a lot more about the Bills than he does the Sabres. Yeah, I mean, I have never seen, I have wa- and I've watched a lot of Buffalo games because you know MSG, and I have, so I've, I've never seen them like, I've never seen the Pagulas at a game. I have never seen him there. No, because they bought it
0: because it was a, like they bought it because it was smart. It was a smart business yeah. decision to buy right. it. And I mean, I don't blame them for buying it, but like, and you know what?
2: I think his hands-off approach has hurt the team. Right.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like fucking sometimes
2: with- being hands-off is good, and sometimes it's not. I mean, you look at, I'll, I mean, this is kind of funny, but like James Dolan owns the Knicks and the and the Rangers. James Dolan is like basically hands-on with the. The Knicks and look what happens. He's hands off with the Rangers. He just allows people to do what they think is best for the organization. He just gives them the damn money that they need. He doesn't know anything about hockey. Yeah, he doesn't know
1: anything, but at the same time he understands that he doesn't know anything about it.
2: But at least he admits the fact he doesn't know hockey, so he lets people who know hockey run the damn ship. Yeah, and now he's up in arms with everyone and everyone like he's a he's a different he's a different person. You look at the devils organization and the way that they're run now the ownership has basically said, we don't know, we care. Like they focus much more on the 76ers clearly because you look at what they've done. They're much more hands off with devils. Like they're there and they care about the team being successful, but they, they try to bring in people who know the sport best and try to let them do what they need to do. So they try, they let Ray Shiro do what they thought what was best. And they eventually they just kind of gave up. And now they're probably going to give uh, Tom Fitzgerald the, the full GM job and they're just going to let him do what he needs to do. They just need, you know, and that's. People, and this is the problem is that you look at owners who are hands on,
0: and this is the problem that Ottawa ran into with Melnick or what Melnick ran into with Ottawa actually. Ottawa fans, when we were successful, he was hands off. He wasn't very onto the team, Mm -hmm. but then you saw teams have hands on owners in other leagues and Ottawa fans were like, Oh, we want a hands-on owner, and then he became a hands-on owner. And yeah.
1: look
0: at yeah. um, I've also I, one thing I've talked about a lot. If you look at my Twitter, is there's strike very very striking similarities between the downfall of the team in like between 0809 and like twelve thirteen.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That whole Heatley saga, Heatley Spezza Alfredson leaving, all them leaving
2: and the last three years there's yeah. very very big similarities here's a good example of, of of an owner that's hands-on and he knows the sport and, and i think it has to be mentioned it's mario lemieux i know he's not the full owner because he had it he had to buy it through um with um with his partner but like he's an owner and he's hands-on like to a certain extent he, yeah and well i mean like, that he doesn't
1: have a say in personnel. I think it more for him. It comes down to he having the, the hockey knowledge. You know, he's right, someone exactly. that they can they can fall the back on. The why he hired that. Jim
2: Rutherford, he was the big yeah. reason they hired Jim Rutherford to be the GM. Yeah, he knew that Jim Rutherford knew how to build a championship team. He had done it in Carolina, and yeah. what and and what has happened since two you know back to back Stanley Cups, and they're still a competitive franchise, even if they, even as Crosby and Malkin continue to get he's older. To be there,
0: older you know, you have to give their scouting department a lot of credit. 100%. Like, no,
2: hundred
0: percent. And this is one thing I hate is that when a, when a trade, when a player goes, is a bust, it's always on the GM. It's never on the, never on the scouting department, Right. Mm-hmm. but if it's a player is a steal, like Kucherov, Pasternak, it's always on the scouting, it's always the scouting department Yep. Mm-hmm. and it's like, I agree. a lot of GMs aren't hands-on. Mm-hmm. And this is where Ottawa in this rebuild has the benefit that a team like Detroit, New Jersey, unfortunately, and LA don't have is that RGM led our scheduling department. RGM is responsible, is directly responsible for guys like Carlson, Hoffman, Stone, Peugeot. Mm-hmm. He was part of the team and he's the one who vocalized that we should draft like right. draft those guys.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so I know, I mean that's a good point. That's Ottawa
0: has them and it's yeah. gonna and look at who we've ha- who look who we've drafted that you know teams are looking back and be like, hmm this could be a steal of, the, of that draft.
2: Right, right. I mean, I, I look at the situation, you know, when I look, when I look at uh, the Devils, um, there have been some prospects even now that uh, Devils fans I know complain about. Uh, one in particular, they, they constantly complain about Michael McLeod. It's like he hasn't scored a goal yet. He's been called up several times. And my problem with the whole thing is that, number one, he's still not even 21 years of age. And – People are seeing the, the thing is that people are blaming Ray Shearer because it's like, oh, he drafted him. And that, and your point comes up exactly like when there's a player that doesn't do well or doesn't succeed or becomes a boss in, in fans' mind, they immediately go to the GM. They don't look at it from the whole standpoint of saying, well, here's the thing. The GM, a lot of the time, has meetings with his scouts before the draft and everything, and they discuss about players that they want to take. You know, even with the first overall pick, if there are several guys that could go number one overall, they have to have a discussion about it. When the Devils were had the first overall pick the first time in 2017, they had to have a discussion between whether they took Jack Hughes or Nolan Patrick. The same thing kind of went a little bit with the, even more when just last year with Jack Hughes and Capo Kaka. It was the same thing. They had to sit down and discuss which player they thought would be better in their situation and which player they think was going to have the better career, you know, projected. And, again, with scouts, the best thing, you know, all they can really do is tell you what they, you know, what they truly feel. Nobody can predict how good these guys are going to be. There are plenty of players in the league that either went undrafted or were drafted in the later rounds. One guy in particular I pointed out, Jesper Bratt in 2013 when he was drafted, he was a sixth-round pick. Yeah. Like probably. nobody, like, nobody thought anything of it. Mark Stone was a sixth-round pick? They he was too sixth for the round. League. I mean, Henrik Lundqvist was a sixth-round pick, and he's the arguably and possibly statistically the best goaltender the Rangers have ever had. But here's another thing, you know, how what something
0: that doesn't get talked about is player development. That's true. That, that's one thing that a lot of play, a lot of fans, a lot of casual or not overly involved fans mm-hmm. think about is the player development side of things. What are, what's your player development program like? That's and a, I think a, if you look at a team like Pittsburgh and you look at a team like Tampa, even Chicago, for the most part, you know, their player development program is pretty, pretty high up there. It is. Cause and they constantly have, have guys Washington as a team. Mm-hmm. So there's so many aspects to decide on if a player is about like on what happens to a player and a player is responsible for it, too. A player right. is also responsible for their own development.
2: Right. They they, have to. They're, they're, they're
0: training. They know their weaknesses. Yes, a coach can determine – coaches and teams can determine how it gets worked, but you also have off-season training, right? Exactly. If you know you're a weak skater. Well, guess what? You have – like, it's not like you don't have the money to go buy like pay for, for skating training. Mm-hmm. No,
1: but you now have so, the time to get it fucking done.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like, You have the money. You have the time. Go work on it. Right. If you know you have weaknesses, if a team has told you, "Hey, this is your weakness,"
1: you better fucking have worked on it.
0: You, have <laughs> it. you you can work on it. You don't like. So yes, there are times that I mean every GMs has it where they they draw someone ahead of someone who could have you know been better for the team or who had a better career, and they're labeled a bust. But it's like what happened with like auto with Alexander Day, and that, that, that's our biggest bust of all time. And people like, oh, you could have picked Pronger. My opinion, even though I wasn't around for it, you look at the team. You look at the team makeup of that year. The best thing would have just been sending him back to, to junior.
2: Mm.
0: No matter who was drafted first overall that year,
2: they would have sucked. They yeah. would have, it would have been horrible because our organization was run horribly at the time. Yeah. And I would use I would use for New Jersey the the player that they're that they're doing exactly what you know you were you were suggesting is uh, Ty Smith. I mean, they've kept him in juniors until the point now where he's no longer eligible to play there. And now it comes to that point where it says, is he developed enough where he is NHL ready, or is he going to start in Binghamton? Because I remember when Ty Smith was originally drafted, he lasted until the last day of training camp before he got cut. Mm. They, he, was, he traveled with the team to Europe, and he was still there. He
0: was one of those guys that would have benefited more from being able to go to the AHL instead of going back to junior. Yeah, right. and,
2: and like you saw him dominate this year, and I saw a lot of Devils fans saying, Oh my god, like he's so good. And then one of my friends DM'd me and he was like, You know, the reason why he's dominating the, the OHL is because he's too old to be continuously playing there.
1: Hey, he's developed he's there to a league. point to where he's top.
2: Exactly. He, Of course, he's going to top that league because he's but that's what you want to see the guy there. But that's what you want to see. Right. That's yeah, that's what
1: you want to see, but you also need to give him the upgrade to go to the AHL. Like, his development can't go any further if he's not getting the competition.
0: Yes, but that's what you want to see. It would have been it would have been an issue if he wasn't dominating.
1: Right? Oh, absolutely. At that age, you'd be like, the fuck? Like,
0: is, yeah, he may be in his last year of junior eligibility, and, yeah, he's dominating the league, but that's what you want to see. And it's not like
2: he's dominating the league in his last year. He's been dominating his league – Oh, wow! Yeah. like three years straight he's been he, arguably the best defenseman in the ohl so, you know
0: as much as doubles fans may complain about it and be like oh he's you know he's tops in the league because he's part of the old oldest age group that's true he has but that's exactly what you want to see it would have been a problem if he was sitting there as a middle of the pack guy right his final year of junior right No, he, it would have been an issue if he didn't lead team canada to a gold medal it yeah. would have been an issue if he wasn't the best defenseman in Spokane. It would have been an issue if he wasn't defenseman of the year in the
2: Western Hockey League. He that checks all issue. the boxes now. He checks I, all the boxes. He, he checks won- all
1: of them, and he definitely deserves if you know a, a move up.
2: The, oh, th- and this th- is going to be that big year because it's going to be the question, like going into next year's training camp, he is obviously going to be invited. There's no question about it. Well, and has- we know that he won't be in juniors next season. We know that it's going to be either he's he comes up to the big club and starts playing or he goes down to the minors. And I think people are going to get, and what's going to be frustrating is that if he doesn't perform even like immediately, like in training camp um, and gets set down, people are going to start saying, Oh, maybe Ty Smith, isn't that good. Or what the hell are we doing? And it's like, he, gonna, he probably needs it. Not necessarily needs it, but if he, if he does not, it's the same thing with Kevin ball. Kevin
0: ball is most likely not going back to Ottawa for the 67s next year. They're both left-handed shots. That is your, literally your one two on your left side for the foreseeable future in
2: New Jersey. But Ball can moves, move over to the right side as well. So you can have a pairing of, of Ty Smith and Ball as well. Yeah, I mean, Ball has played on the right side. Yeah. He, he's
0: just a natural left side. Right. So the other option is the other question is why not send them down to Binghamton, let them play as a pairing, let them play together as a pairing, develop the Kennedy Yep, and then move them both up, especially if if neither of them are going to play top four minutes. What's the point of having Ty Smith as your fifth or sixth defenseman and your second power play unit when he can be in Binghamton playing
1: all that time,
0: playing every situation? It's the same thing with Branstrom in Ottawa. The reason why Branstrom made it out of camp was because Christian Willan and got hurt. The minute they were able to replace Branstrom with Riley. They sent Bradstrom down because they knew it was better for his development.
2: Yeah.
0: And like you saw it, he, he started producing, he started skating better. He started playing better. Devils fans need to
2: understand that the team around him is not good. The team around Ty Smith is not good. No, we're not, we're not close to being a playoff team whatsoever. And look, next year, what are the expectations next year? A lot of people are going from, we were expected to make the playoffs here. It didn't go well. Next year is supposed to be a developmental year for guys like Jack Hughes to you know so he can play a full season without somebody getting fired or traded god forbid we need to we need to bring next year devils fans including myself should have very low expectations for where the team is going to be I'm expecting a bottom five finish, and that's that's and, and like, I'm I'm honestly like, as much as it's going to be frustrating, you watching, gotta be
1: fucking okay with that, though. You know, I'm gonna be be trust in the developer.
2: Know that hey, we got guys that are developing down in Binghamton, that when they come up here, they're gonna be ready to make an impact immediately, instead of forcing them. And see, I think that's been the problem with Michael McLeod is that I think that Ray Shiro, when he was here, and the organization was trying to force Michael McLeod to all of a sudden make an impact. And he just wasn't ready to make that impact right away. And you could see when he's at Binghamton, he continues to produce and you can see how he's starting to really become a very solid player. And that was my whole thing. And with a guy like Pavel Zaka, see, this is, you know, I would have, I would have rather seen Zaka go down to the minors and stay there longer before he got called up. Yes. Because now, because now he's finally starting to play a little lo- better and starting to come into his own. But it's been because he's played in the NHL for about three or four years now. You know, I would have rather seen him in Binghamton, you know, developing and then come in and he makes an immediate impact as your second, third centerman. Or you put him on the left wing because he seems to be doing well there, you know, and he seems to be developing. And I think people need to realize for Michael McLeod, he's
0: not going to give, he's going to be middling around 30 to, to 50 points a season. Right. He's that guy. I will take that. I will take he's that guy you want on Nico Kishir's wing or on Jack Hughes's wing because he's going to create a lot of chances that don't go on that score sheet. Right. And I think that's the thing with McLeod is that he's one of those guys that he'll he's going to battle in the corners. He's going to get the puck loose, but he's not going to be on this point. Like, you may watch him, and he's going to be the third person or the fourth person to touch the puck Yep. for almost any goal that he's on the ice for. He's most likely going to be that third or fourth person to touch the puck.
2: Will, He's going to start the play. I will take that. And, and that's, just that's just how right. he plays. No, and see the thing, you know, that this, and, you know, the thing is is that there's a lot of things when you look at players that don't go noticed. You know, one of the things that people were, you know, people were talking about with when Gusev came over is that his ability to put the puck in the back of the net. And he did that a lot in the KHL. He was phenomenal in the KHL doing that but this season what people what some people saw not everybody because people looked at it and said he only scored 13 goals which a lot of people were like well what the hell like why you know he seemed to be really struggling he set up guys to score on a game-to-game basis he made passes that nobody else can make he had chemistry with multiple guys he was on a line first off with Blake Coleman and Travis Zajac and they were very good then Coleman gets traded and he goes on a line with Jesper Brett and Zaka, and he's still continuing to put up production. And he would have been a fifty—he would have put up fifty points probably by the end of the season if we had finished the regular season because he was on a tear. And you look at a guy like Michael McLeod, and McLeod has had some games in, in the NHL where he's had a couple really good opportunities. He's just had some of the worst luck I've ever seen. He's had times where he has a puck right in the slot and he gets a great shot. There was no fault to it. And the goaltender has just made a phenomenal save. And I'm like, you know what? Like he's still, he, he still he ma- still he still makes contributions that sometimes people just don't see and don't notice. Here's the thing that I've learned
0: is there's a lot of fans who like to talk that just look at goals, points, assists. That's it. That's all they look at. Agreed. They don't actually cause and this is my thing, as a huge Bobby Ryan fan, I've had so many people hate on me for it. But if you actually watch him play, I like Bobby Ryan. He does so much more than what's on the score sheet. Yes, the last maybe like year and a half have been rough, but the whole team has been rough. And obviously with the things that's going on, that's a different story. But if you watch him play, there's a lot of things that he does that doesn't get put on the score sheet. You know, if you watch his first game in Ottawa, the, the one he scored a hat trick on, I believe two of his goals were direct correlations of him laying the body and forcing turnovers. Right. He doesn't get he doesn't get any credit for it, but he did it.
1: No, but he set up the play.
2: Watched, right. Watch the game. And he's and he a grinder. Like nowadays the way he plays the game, he's much more of a grinder. He like he's gonna go he's gonna get into dirty areas and make plays that don't he's a forward. forward. He's a true right. power forward. Like mm-hmm. he should be. And like he
0: was in in Anaheim. And I think that's the thing that people don't realize is that there's more to it than advanced stats, because everyone looks at advanced. If, there's very few people that look at both. Because mm-hmm. there's things that advanced stats tell you that are helpful. Mm-hmm. There's things that advanced, tell, advanced stats tells you that are misleading. Mm-hmm. There's also things advanced stats tell you that are completely useless. But it's the same thing for just a average stats. You know, mm-hmm. plus minus, totally misleading. You know, yes, there's some underlying truth to it. But it's very misleading. Right. Um, you have regular stats that, yeah, point per game, That that's a pretty useful stat. You get a lot from that stat. And then there's total, totally useless stats like penalty minutes. I, I just, why do people, like, I personally, I think it's a useless stat. As, like, if you look it up, penalty minutes are, are one stat that I, I don't think is necessary. So. Mm-hmm. I just think that you have the casual fans who just look at baseline stats and those are the ones who are the most vocal. Right. Those are the ones that get heard
2: because they, those are the stats they use. Here's been the greatest debate this season between the Devils fans and the Rangers fans that I've noticed is the constant battle between Capo Caco and Jack Hughes. Now, neither one of them had any sort of a spectacular rookie season. That is without a doubt, you know, that's very true. People criticized Jack Hughes because they were saying, like, he had, you know, he had such a bad year. He only had, like, 20-plus points. Like, he wasn't doing anything. And I argued with people and I said, if you watch him play on a game-to-game basis, as the season progressed, he started to do a lot more. He started to, you know, have a really good job, particularly on the forecheck. He was able to create a lot of situations for other guys to, you know, find the back of the net. And everybody wanted him because they looked at his stats because everybody likes to be a frat boy, stat boy type of thing. They love to look at it and say, oh, he only put up 20 points. You know, he had a very bad year, blah, blah, blah. And it's like there's so many other things that he does that you'll never see on the stat sheet that go a long way with a team trying to have success and trying to develop. And that's the thing. To be fair,
0: for personally, Jack Hughes is just small. He's a smaller well,
2: that Doesn't surprise. Well, that's not a surprise. And
0: you know, I saw reports. that You know, if like Hughes has the skill set to be dominant, but I feel like he's if he does not put on muscle weight, he has going to he's gonna set short players back 5-10 years. He is, and look at- he needs to. He, he gets out muscled all the time, mm-hmm. and I think unfortunately, when you're you're that high of a pick. And he, there are times where he look, he plays scared. At least from what I've seen of him, there are times where you hit him a couple of times, he starts playing a
2: little he's bit intimidated.
0: He he plays he's wincing as, he, as yeah, he makes
2: his moves. He, yeah, and, and, and no, you know, and here's the when look. you're going against a power forward, or
0: you play against Kucherov or Ovechkin, he plays in the same division as Ovechkin. He, I'm sorry, you're gonna go through the middle of the ice and you have Ovechkin coming down on you. I would be scared too. But you right. just can't show it. You can't show it's like you're gonna get eaten up in the league if you show any kind of intimidation. Right. Or being intimidated by anyone.
2: Because oh, teams because team players on other teams will see that and they will go for it. Yeah. And it, one of the things was, was the biggest problem. One of the things, and that was the biggest problem with Nico. He shared his rookie year. Everybody said it. They said he's not very big, he needs to put on muscle. He got thrown around a lot.
1: Yeah, he got targeted. Look at, <laughs>
2: look, at look at look at in the playoffs. Victor Hedman just lost his cool and decided to take it out on Nico Hishier. And Hishier, like, it hurt, like you could tell it hurt like a bitch when he got yeah. hit. And yeah, everybody said know. he needs to put on pounds. Now look at him. He's, he gets his body thrown around. And he's okay with it. Like, he's totally fine people, with it. But these, the, like, these people, like, these
0: players are 18 years old. Yeah. 18, 19 years old. Right. Younger well, most Paul likely now.
1: been sheltered as well, you know, so, so – you're coming into a fucking man's game.
0: And I think that's the thing is, is that the biggest learning curve for a lot of these players is you're going against guys your own only – and this is my biggest knock on, on Byfield. So my biggest knock on Byfield since last year is how the hell do you expect him to play against men when he can barely play against boys? Right. He struggles physically against his own age group. Yeah, he may be younger, and I hate the whole age thing, because, yeah, he may be younger – by almost a year, like he is almost 2021 eligible. And maybe you would benefit right. him to be 2021 eligible. Yeah. But at the same time, if he can't dominate his own age group, mm-hmm. how the hell is he going to dominate players who are less than tw- less than 30 years old? Right. Kucherov, and I think that's the thing. Kutra, Pasternak, all these guys are less than, some of these guys are less than 25 years old and they're going to run him over right yeah. to dummy him he's going to go
2: in a corner he's going to come down the boards with Hedman there and Hedman's going to stand him up right right and he's just going to push it he's just going to push him down and that'll be the end of that and i think this is the thing
0: is that as someone who who lives in ottawa i watched every game against sudbury in last year's playoffs every time that byfield was on the ice especially in ottawa like the three games in ottawa mm-hmm. out of the six that they played Throughout the regular season and playoffs, Kevin Ball was on the ice. Kevin Ball is 6'8. And he dummied a 6'4 Quinton Byfield. Yeah. And if that's what's going to happen to him in the NHL, he's not going to last. He's not going to lie. He's going to be a bust. And it's no well, disrespect to Byfield. It's just the way the game is. Yes, the game is faster, the game's, you know, for more skilled players. But you're still going to
2: have those guys who are going to throw the hits. And if you can't handle it, you're not gonna last in the league. Alex Sovechkin is the number one example of a guy that can still do some of those some of those things, and he can also throw his body around. That's what he's done his entire career. It's he's wide thrown wide his wide body around and scored 500 plus goals. Say what you want about Crosby, say what you want about Malkin. But those guys still throw their body around. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no doubt. As 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 Crosby has you know developed and got older, you saw that he started to throw his body around more and more and more. And he was fine, and he was fine because he understood that he had to do that, you know, one guy, you know, people were wondering when I remember when when it was the Austin Matthews draft and people were wondering, could Austin, you know, what, what was Austin Matthews going to be able to do? Because he didn't go down the regular path of playing junior hockey. He went over, he went over to Europe and played against men. That was an advantage to him because he was already a big body. He was already playing against men and he had that experience. Until it hit
0: him late in the season and you saw the wear and tear of a short, of a short hockey season. Right. Right. You didn't see with a guy like Minor who is shorter because this guy literally went from a team making deep playoff runs almost every year, Yeah, mm-hmm. he only play 60 some games. Right. But then he would play an extra 12 14 games in the playoffs. Right. And you know, that that adds up compared to like a 60 some game season. Your season's done in April. It's mm-hmm. like So yeah, it was great that he was playing against men but at the same time he was at a disadvantage because and you see it with a lot of European players that are playing are coming over directly from Europe. And I think that's where playing in the anywhere but this Canadian Hockey League is a disadvantage because you're not used to these long seasons. No. Like your the seasons are so condensed and so short that like your body's not used to the wear and tear of traveling all the time. And I think that's one of the benefits that the, the Canadian Hockey League has is yeah, you may be playing three games in three nights, but your body's used to the wear and tear. You're also right. playing
2: almost a full NHL season, right? You beat the playoffs, well, there you go. And you travel mm-hmm. a bunch, even if it's not like you know, in flights and stuff, you're still traveling a bunch if you're playing two to three nights because you might be playing in multiple places. During oh, 100%. The- you're not playing, I think that's the thing, especially you know, you're not going to, to
0: for example, you're not going to, to Kingston for a weekend and playing three games in Kingston and then going home. You're going from Kingston, you'll go from Ottawa to Kingston, to Peterborough,
2: to Barrie, for example. You're playing three, three, different teams teams. Three, three different teams three separate right. cities. Right. And you're learning. So used to it. Right. You're getting used to it. And I think that was one, I think, cause you look at, cause Jack Hughes came from the U S national development program and that was playing in the USHL. Yep. How many yep. games were they playing? Like, like 40? Yeah. And then he went, I, to like they, play. were playing, they were playing almost only like half an NHL season. So, you know, Jack Hughes had to, first of all, Jack Hughes has had such, he has had so much that he's had to learn through his first season. And it's not even done. Like he didn't even, he couldn't even play a full season because of the, you know, coronavirus. But you look what he went through. First of all, he clearly knows that he has to put on pounds. He has to. Otherwise, he's going to get destroyed. As his brother is also figuring out.
0: Yeah, but I mean, his it's also different is, as a defenseman. Yeah, but again, you know, you're a You're a little bit more like you're. There's a little bit of a difference when it comes to defenseman. You like you can be a small defenseman and still have success. Right, you know, But a you planet, can see that
2: Quinn Hughes is a little bit, a little bit uh, is built a little bit more than Jack Hughes. Oh yeah, and, he, and Jack's going to have to. And I'm sure Jack Hughes probably has figured out by now with the amount of time he's had that he can't get thrown around. If he really wants to really emphasize and really, you know, use his potential to the highest amount, he has to do that. And he has to learn that. For, and I think that's why if Nico Heischer can can talk to Hughes and, and explain to him the same situation, I think he'd go a long way. Because, again, once Nico Heischer put on 20, 25 pounds – Oh, and sense. was able to be a little bit more bulkier. He could throw himself around and still have success. And you could see that he's, you know, he's starting to be, you know, really get into his prime of his career and really developing into that long-term player, so much so that the Devils gave him a seven year extension.
0: I want Ottawa to take Sean Day. Sorry, I just remembered that Sean Day got put on unconditional waivers from
2: the Rangers. Oh yeah, he
0: did. He did to that. Uh, which and why like,
2: is that exactly just because of his poor performances?
0: I don't know. But dude, literally went to the worst team he could in junior, and it ruined him. And then just hasn't been able to, to right. put it together. And he's only twenty two. The problem is he had he was exceptional status because he, he was not good as a kid.
2: And then it was a rehabilitation like project wherever, no matter where he goes.
0: I mean, I think he went to Mississauga, and at the time, Mississauga was not very good. He that, that organization had a lot of issues. Um, uh, but I believe he's also
2: a right-handed shot, and I think that would be a perfect fit for Ottawa. Um, it's a low-risk, high-reward move for anybody who picks up Ryan Beck. Yeah. He's because also if it doesn't football. work out, okay, Absolutely. we've already seen it not work out.
0: Like, I think that's the thing, is that, like, he can't, like, he had 16 points in his rookie year as a 15-year-old, and he was, he was in the middle of the pack defenseman. Right. Not really, like, not really... Like, he had... 47 points in his last year of junior. But you know he had, he's not a point producer, right? that's the thing that people forget is that like, you know, yeah, he got exceptional status because he was just skating around players, but like he was never get, he was never developed properly. This is a guy whose talent literally has gone to waste right. since he entered junior, and it's disappointing to see. Yep. Dude played what 6 years in the in in, o, in the Up. Yeah, he played a long time. He played from 2013
2: 14 to 17
0: 18. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, and I watched this guy play. And he can't play. He just needs to be put in the right situation. I think
2: Ottawa's perfect for him. Mm-hmm. Hell, even New Jersey's perfect for him. Yeah, I mean, I would, you know, consi- I-, I would not mind the Devils taking a flyer on Ryan Day because honestly, considering where the Devils are in this situation, he would be a, he, it would be a good place for him to go to you know really learn and like develop and he would have no pressure of you know of anything he would just say just go and play just go and play the way that you're capable of playing as, um, um but as Shane says that food, his food is here now yeah I my mean, my food's been here for a while but all right fair enough. <laughs> uh, I think that's going to do it right guys yeah, yeah, yeah um it, we, it, can it,
0: we can wrap up there i has has been relatively quiet as always with us.
1: <laughs> oh, man, you guys get, just get into such a uh, conversation. Just, just just, as of late, dude, it's just been it's just been so hard at work. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, we're just trying yeah. to fight through it. And some people are having it a little bit easier than some others. And uh, I've just been trying to cycle that, you know, that new schedule around, and it
0: sucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, hey, now, thankfully, after this week, uh, we'll have a
2: little, little bit more relaxing. We won't need to worry about releasing an episode every week. Yeah, it'll be, um, and also, I mean, I think the benefit from it is that our, our listeners will be, you know, w- with the anticipation of waiting for like that next episode is going to be, uh, is going to be good. And and plus, we're we're getting a huge amount of more people listening to these podcasts, um, like basically every day. Yep, I yeah. see it. Every, I see it every day with even people that I follow, that are like. Because of like you talking about the network and everything, like I'm more I'm starting to listen to it. And like the fact that there's like a pod for every team goes it's a long way. It is absolutely this
0: is great. I love it. Yes, yeah. never happened. I'm so ha- I'm so thankful that Dylan reached out to me in October and was like, Hey, <laughs> yep. you want to come be the senator? I'm like, um, sure, I'm thankful.
2: I'm thankful for Isha who reached out to me about like about a month and a half ago and said, do you want to? Oh yeah, so are
0: we. So are we. Yeah. I I know you guys. guys.
2: No, because I remember, I think it was, I think it was Shane that reached out to me first. He was like, dude, you have no idea how happy I am that you, you're joining this." Well, yeah, because we were actually planning, at least I was, to do this again next year.
0: Right. Yeah. Like, I was expecting to them be like, hey guys, can't, like, we still haven't found
2: anyone.
1: Can you you guys continue it? Yeah.
2: Right. I'm making your lives easier.
1: Absolutely, and that's what, that's, dude. It's been it's been easy to be quiet because you guys just get on a fucking roll, and it's just like you know, it's coming from someone who who has only met the New Jersey Devils and fucking five months of fucking play. You know, while, while time on the pod with them. It's it's just it's been a little difficult. Just trying to catch up on a team I know nothing about. But, dude, it's been an absolute pleasure having you you know yeah, jump and, in on this
2: yeah and absolutely and i and i've really enjoyed uh you know doing this with you guys the past couple of weeks uh this has been pretty much a great introduction for me uh you know learning about you know how this all goes and uh hopefully you know um i can uh, you know really you know uh make this podcast uh be very as interesting as it's been with uh with you guys but uh i appreciate you know you absolutely.
0: guys having yeah, to come on
2: yeah, no, no, Shane, trust Shane, trust me. You'll be on plenty of times. <laughs> I've uh, never come on, especially when I get to, to shit on the Schneider for Horvat trade. But when Corey Schneider starts next season, eight 0 we'll have you on. Hey, 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 to be fair, I'm a huge Schneider fan. Right. I want to make that. It's just, it was up. just a terrible trade. I am waiting. Well, I'm what? waiting for, I'm waiting next season when the Devils play Vancouver and it's the shootout and it comes down to. Schneider needs to make a save against Horvat. Oh, denies them with a the beautiful club save, and that's if Hor- all she wrote. Horvat scores on that. I'm just gonna send it to you, and
0: be like, <laughs> you found, Schneider?
2: you found, like, you you go, like, I'm going on Google and I'm looking up Schneider Horvat pictures, and then and Bayou. Bayou decides to help you. It's like, oh, I found this one. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't found it for me. I'm like, you but, guys are nuts.
0: I mean, no, what I'm expecting is that sometime next season Schneider is in a sentenced uniform going against New Jersey and shuts them
2: out. What we'll do do next season, what we'll do this next season is that when, when Vancouver plays New Jersey and Corey's in net, we'll, uh, we'll live stream the entire game. I will live stream the game and just. We can get a drinking game. Right. Every time, every time Corey makes a save, you have to take a shot.
0: No, every time. Okay. So what, what that means every time that Horvat takes a shot, you have to take a shot. Right. Well, I mean, that's fucked. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll take I mean, that. I'll probably end up more drunk than I will because I don't know if Shiner will be able to make that many saves.
2: Ooh, well, we'll see about that. Damn. We'll see about that. I, I think, I think, I think if Corey is going to play next se- next season with the Devils, I think he'll have a lot more success than he's had the past two seasons. Shiner for Anisimov. Yeah, you would like that, wouldn't you? Not obviously. He'd get a shirt. He'd get a. Sh- he make a shirt that said that uh, too. if that's a trade that happened, <laughs> I'm claiming it right now. You right. could bookmark it. You right. can keep
0: it. If there's a trade, send me to right to Ottawa. And there's
2: a mall I called it here first. Shatter oh, but, and if you guys and if you guys also want to watch myself and Shane send g- gifts to each other between USA and Canada, uh, please go do so because that's oh, a- cool. <laughs> just, no, because I, 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 I tagged him to my God! So they were showing the uh, women, US women, it's in, um, in beating Canada a couple years ago in the gold medal game. And I tagged him in the shootout to win a gold medal. We don't need a skills competition. Also, if you really want to talk about shootouts, oh, no. we're, we're talking
0: <laughs> about Taves going three and three in the shootout.
2: Yes. Yes. Five yes. in a
0: row at Worlds. I got you. Five in a row of Worlds.
2: I got you.
1: Jesus. We uh,
2: we don't have this year's juniors to uh to talk about. not know, maybe they haven't said anything. That's true. If they true. do, we're gonna go but, back to uh, back. To but back to Thank you guys so much for like this. The <laughs> it's been it's been absolutely phenomenal. It really has. Yeah, it's been a pleasure.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll close it out real quick. You know, uh, oh uh, man, it's it's been uh. You know, it it was a crazy season. Uh, but to jump on here, I've I've met two fucking ignorant, interesting guys that uh, you know, I can't I can't wait to have more podcasts with. You know, this is like it, 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 like this is like Hurricane Katrina for me because it was just like uh, it took kids from, you know, different schools that I would have never met. And it, it threw me in that situation again. Like, meeting Shane for the first time is one of the most hysterical moments in my fucking life. Just just dealing with the fucking the pompousness that came, that came in the first episode was insane. But it's been an absolute honor to be on with both of you guys. And, uh, you know, uh, for me personally, you can find me at uh, Bayou Benders on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, this is my last time saying that. So it's, it's a little crazy uh, on this episode. But, uh, Shane, we'll head to you. Uh, you got any last – Last comments, bud.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think that you know this is our last time signing off on a on a New Jersey podcast.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> follow me on Shane underscore Ride ninety ninety seven, uh, as well as Centuria ninety two. You can also follow my CFL podcast at Thirteenth Man Pod, and yeah, definitely follow me on the, the the my my personal because I'm going to be releasing some new information. Uh, there's been a new project that I've been working on. I I hope to get going in the next like two, three weeks. So you'll definitely want to follow me there for all of that fun stuff. Mm Love
1: it. All right. And the, uh, future co, um, future host of this, uh, Neil, why don't you close it off with like a 25 page fucking shout out?
2: Great. Uh, first of all, (laughs) forget the book. I want to Shane, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw Isha under the bus a little bit here. Um, he said to me in a, in a direct message recently, he goes, the last few podcast episodes have been entertaining. And then he goes, Shane is a little crazy, but entertaining. And he goes, fucking right. I <laughs> know. And, 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 no, yeah. and he said, and he goes, and then he says, he says, Benders is a really solid hockey guy. So that was the, that <laughs> was the compliments. Fucking right, Ish. I Dude. am. But- it's shit so much more fun. Yeah, and you gotta watch. You gotta watch Isha's Instagram stories when he goes hiking because they're some entertaining. Uh, they're great. They're, they're absolutely great. But yeah, um, you can, you can check me out on Twitter at T H E N V P S H O W on Instagram at QB Q B eleven. You can check out uh, my my podcast, uh, Mofobo Network podcast. I actually just had on a couple of hockey guys the past uh, this past week talking about the format and a few other things. Um, you can check that out on Anchor or Spotify. Uh, I also have the Mofobo Network YouTube channel where I post a weekly video talking about different things in the world of sports and also the, um, the Mofobo Network Facebook page where you can keep up to date where everything is. And last but not least, you can uh, you can check out my book, J-E-T-S, Pain,
1: Pain, Pain.
2: Right, Pain and Suffering and Being a actually I'm actually in the process of writing my second book, which is about the Mets. So I'm just No one cares.
0: Stop <laughs> it. That's so rude. <laughs> wait
2: until wait until Aaron and what's J-Lo? her face?
0: J Lo buy it. Well you heard
2: that they're cu- you heard that they're now in the running again, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You wait for them to buy it and then you can write the book because you have another chapter to write about.
2: Did you hear oh uh, and also uh, I, uh, a Met, a New York Mets minor <laughs> leaguer who got cut. Yeah, I heard He's about that. He destroyed the organization and Tim Tebow.
0: Yeah, I loved without it. Even, without even
2: without – like he goes, I'm not going to mention, but a certain celebrity who comes to sell tickets, and I'm like, he really just threw Tim Tebow under the bus. Yeah, because <laughs> i mean, he's not saying anything that we didn't already know. Right. Well, here's the thing. It's ammo for me when I write this book, so I take I take it in stride. But, uh, yeah, you can go check it out on Amazon, and uh, I think I'll make an announcement the next day or two about you know me officially jo- – I haven't really – Talked to a lot of people about it i kind of kept it under wraps but i'll make an announcement on my social media channels uh that i'm joining the pod and that i'm uh i'm uh starting it so yeah devil's state of mind is going to be the newest devil's podcast starting uh june 1st
0: yeah and we got sensatorian overtaking officially starting um well i mean it's technically been a thing for a while, but. Should be officially uh, wrapped up and changed yeah. over
2: starting June first on all on all platforms. Your your first episode next season should be how you became how Bobby Ryan made you famous.
1: <laughs> I'm not
2: famous. <laughs> how Bobby Ryan made You famous.
1: Dude, you you know for damn sure you're gonna be like every. The, the intro of every season when they just show the magic of the fans, you're going to be in that fucking highlight reel. You're going to be in the
2: montage. You're going to be on, you're going to be on a uh, hockey night.
0: Probably not. Since they, play like...
2: one shining moment, they play like a one shining moment song and there's just, there's just Shane screaming. It's like, yeah, I was excited.
1: It's going to be beautiful. Well, folks, uh, man, it has been an absolute fucking treat uh, these past couple months with you guys. And I guess two, four fucking weeks with Neil, uh, but yeah, what what a what a great season! As weird as it's been, it's been an absolute fucking pleasure being a part of this network. And uh, it's truthfully, when you meet guys like yourselves, it becomes a family. And mm-hmm. I can't I can't be anything but humble, thinking that you know, fucking one year ago, I was just chilling in the south, pirating shit off of Reddit to watch NHL games. So you know, yeah, I mean, it's been
0: pleasant. <laughs>
2: I don't know, I don't know what to say after that, the pirating uh, NHL games, that's new.
0: Yeah, I've never no. heard
2: someone say I had the pirating NHL games. Yeah, no.
0: I mean, it's been a pleasure. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this final episode with yeah. myself and Bayou. Um, Neil, it was a pleasure talking to you. Um, yeah. I'm still gonna talk shit about U.S. hockey. Oh, every
2: day. <laughs> I'm going to run polls and shit on, on the new podcast and you're going to be the first one that messages me every single time.
0: Oh yeah, I'm just going to put Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not going to give you that ego of just putting you on notifications just to troll you. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to,
2: you know, what I'll do is uh, in the new podcast, you um, know, say in the bio, it'll just say Schneider for Horvat hashtag.
0: 100%. Let's get it trending. <laughs> <laughs> let's get it trending. Let's get Schneider on. Let's
2: get Horvat on. Same time. Let's, talk let's, yeah, let's um. Let's, not, let's just go like, did you guys ever know you guys would be intertwined with each other the rest of your careers? I personally, get, I don't know I'll this. I'll get a,
0: a Vancouver Corey Schneider jersey, and okay. I'll get a, a made-up New Jersey Horvat behind yeah, looked, me, and be like,
2: what could have been? Dude, Jesus. this topic came up yesterday, and they're like, well, we wouldn't have had Nico and everybody else if we had drafted Horvat. And I'm like... That's not necessarily true. Your show would have been shit. <laughs> like...
1: Oh Jesus. It um, just would have been worse.
0: Uh,
1: boys, it's been awesome.
0: Uh Yep.
1: What a season. But uh I can't wait to talk to you guys yes. and take our mini vacation and get back, but uh folks, y'all stay, y'all stay careful out there, you know, and uh and just still do the right fucking thing. Be be a, a better human than the ones in the past. So, y'all have a good night, and I'll talk to y'all soon, boys.
2: Black lives matter.
1: Shane, you got anything? It's been it's been a pleasure, bud. Go it's, eat your uh, go eat like your fun. fucking pizza, bud. Black lives matter. Okay, you gonna do. See you guys.